You can never overstate the influence that somebody has in a person's life when they take the time to pour into them and love them. Have you had that person in your life that is a, is a mentor or maybe it was a family member or, or just somebody that took that time, especially when you were young, that influenced you forever? That's what's needed and we're gonna encourage everybody uh, to do that so that they can also make a difference in other people's lives as well. And it's gonna be the subject and a lot more of what we're gonna talk about on today's episode of the Audacious Faith Podcast. You hear a lot today about the word legacy. And that is that when someone is poured into someone else's life and then that person goes on to do great things in their life, in a way, not only are they doing their own thing, but they're also a reflection on the people that have come before them. How great it is to be able to be a legacy and to also then turn around and leave one. It's even doubly great when it goes in both directions. When someone has someone that poured into their life and now they're able to then turn around and pour into the life of others. And that's what we're gonna be talking about greatly in our podcast episode today. And I have a very special guest, uh, someone that I've been gifted with in life, uh, another daughter that God gave to me uh, probably, what, 10 years ago now? 11. 11 years yeah. ago. And, and she is uh, part of Team Tenacity, which is in San Dimas, which is one of the largest financial teams in the country, and also, uh, just doing great things with her husband, Jay Jr., and a great influence in so many lives together. So what I'm going to do today is have the great honor of talking with Ronnie Gothier. So, so good to have you with us. Thank you. So I appreciate it. This is going to be a little different for us because usually we just talk around the table or, or you know, eating at a meal or something like that. But it's great to be able to have the opportunity to have people that maybe don't know you as well, although a lot of people do, uh, to kind of get a little more in depth and talk about some of those questions. So, so why don't we start off with like background, upbringing, tell us a little bit about that, what family was like growing up, and uh, maybe a little bit of journey of faith, how that plays in, all those type of things. Uh, well, I grew up um, not too far from here, so I don't know, five, five ten minutes from here, South El Monte. California, Southern California, and um, was one of five, so I'm the second oldest of my siblings. I've mm -hmm. got two brothers, two sisters. Um, we were all raised by my grandma. My mom was in the picture as well. Um, and then she also raised my cousin, so she, um, amazing lady, six kids, you know, mm -hmm. being an elder, elderly lady, she, uh, she kind of took on the challenge of raising all six of us. Um, but, uh, yeah, we grew up not too far from here, and faith was definitely a big part in our lives. My grandma was very, very much um, not only involved in church, but she practiced her faith on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. She was very much um, into working in prayer in her daily life. You know, her dropping us off at school, I remember those times because we, you know, as kids, you want to listen to music on the radio or you want to listen sure. to something that's entertaining. 
And at least as a kid, she would always put on her Christian stations and she would always play her worship music and her gospel music. And she really enjoyed that time, even if it was a short drive to work and to drop us off at school. I just remember how ingrained her faith was in every single part of her life. And I think that's why she was such a peaceful person to be around growing up. Us kids, we gravitated to her so much. We just wanted to be around her all the time. And which worked out for her because she was a second grade teacher. Sure. So her kids loved her. And we knew that she, they loved her because she would always come home with little gifts from them. Little mm-hmm. teddy bears, little things of chocolate, just little notes. Right. And, um, and she was just this person who radiated love and confidence and wisdom and faith and peace. And I think that kind of spread to everyone who was around her, and she spoke openly about her love of God and her love mm-hmm. of Jesus, and um, and I think I've always known faith through her and seeing her live it. You know, she never okay. really had to sit me down and say, okay, let mm-hmm. me talk to you about God and, you know, why we're here and, and, you know, our purpose in life. I think I just always saw it in her. And... Um, she was very open to communicating about it because I think one of the most important conversations I had with her about faith was I remember asking her because I was confused about the whole, you know, she went to the Catholic church, mm-hmm. but, you know, I would hear her say, oh, you know, I'm Christian. And mm-hmm. I'd hear, uh, hear other people say, oh, I'm Christian. Are you Catholic? And I just didn't understand the whole, you know, the distinction okay. between the two. And so one day I asked her, I was like, okay, what's the difference between being Catholic and being Christian? And she said, well, she explained the technical aspects, mm-hmm. you, know, the, you know, the literal aspects of it. But she said, what I want you to know is that above anything, it doesn't matter what church you go to. She said, it's your relationship with God that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. Okay. That's what's going to bring you peace, and that's what is going to fulfill your life. And I, that's always stuck with me. To this day, that's the most important conversation she ever had with me. In regards to faith. Got it. So, so you would say, you know, a lot of people talk about faith. And a lot of people, they'll go to church or they'll have their rituals or their prayers or the different things they do. But with your grandma, what was different was that it was actually real. It was her. Say? It was yeah. her life. So it yeah. wasn't just, hey, I'm going to do this when I show up at church. Mm-hmm. But then when I get home, I'm going to kick the dog, yell at the kids. <laughs> To, you know, have a totally different attitude, which some people do. And, and as a child, especially, what kind of message does that often come across? It's like, okay, wait a minute, this is just something for show, this is just something you say. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in her case, this made it very real to you, is what you're saying. Because yes. of the genuineness, it was, a, it was a real part of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was the same person at church, at home. I went to you know, visit her in her classroom mm-hmm. whenever I got the chance. And she was the same person with her students. Right. And which was shocking because, you know, it's a public school that sure. she's working at. And so um, shocking, but in a good way, uh, you know, she was the same person all the way around with her friends. I witnessed her with her friends. You know, as a kid, I'm watching her hang out with her teacher friends and she's the same person. Yeah. And, uh, and so that consistency and I just like, God, I want to be her. Exactly. You know, I want to be who she is. So very inspiring. So, so you, you mentioned, I mean, you grew up not too far from here. Mm-hmm. 
it wasn't exactly what we considered a, a wealthy type of situation. I mean, economically, it's probably more on the lower end. I yes. mean, and not necessarily either an, an area or an environment. Let, let me just say it this way, where people were always thinking of going and raising themselves to the highest of achievement levels, correct? Would mm -hmm. you say that's fair? Mm -hmm. And yet, your grandma, through, through that, despite that, instilled things in you as far as a desire to really achieve some big things, a standard of excellence, get a strong education. Um, how, how would you, say, explain her influence in, in that? Well, I think she lived it because from, you know, the stories that she told me, you know, she was married, she adopted two kids, mm -hmm. and then, you know, they ended up getting a divorce. And okay. so she ended up becoming, um, you know, a single mom of two kids, and mm -hmm. then he, her husband ended up passing away Okay. with no education. So just kind of, you know, classes here and there. And so she decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. So she mm -hmm. was volunteering at... Um, a school while also like going and getting her degree so she could become right. a teacher. Okay. And so later, she was l older in life, mm -hmm. you know, and she would tell me like, I, you know, I just, I, I wasn't prepared. She wasn't mm -hmm. prepared to be able to support herself. So she went to school and she did the whole thing. And then she ended up becoming a teacher. But besides the, you know, the literal like education, the formal education part, she was always in love with learning. Mm-hmm. And another reason why I think that made her an amazing teacher, because she genuinely loved learning for the sake of learning. Our house was filled with books, books of and anything, history, religion, mm -hmm. kids books. We got, of course, we got the Dr. Seuss, all the classics, you know, right. she was just in love with learning. And so growing up, when we were bored, she would always tell us, well, if you're bored, don't watch TV. I think we, at the time we only had one TV in the house, and mm. it was usually playing some sort of sports, baseball, football, okay. which we, I, at least I was not interested in. And so whenever we would complain to her, like, mm -hmm. you know, Mama, we're bored, she was like, go read a book. Just go read a book mm -hmm. or go play outside. Those are your, pretty much your two options. And so for me, not being so athletic, I went more towards the read a book avenue. And so she passed on that love of, of learning and that, um, that desire to do better and learn more and grow. Mm -hmm. And her being a teacher, she knew the area that you know, we were growing up in. Right. She was very aware of the area we were growing up in and very aware of our financial situation, obviously, because mm -hmm. she's like living in it. And so we were all going to public schools and she was a teacher in the same district, but not in the same, you know, school. Sure. And so she kind of handpicked my teachers for me. Mm -hmm. She knew, like, you know, oh, these are, like, the great teachers. And so she was picking them along the way. And, um, and I just remember, you know, one of my teachers during a parent conference sitting there talking to her, saying, oh, you know, Ronnie's really smart. She's got a lot of potential, which everybody mm. hates to hear the potential thing. Did but you hate to hear that? I hate, uh, yeah, I'm okay. like, what does that mean? It sounds like a backhanded compliment to say, oh, you have so much potential, but you're AKA, you know, kind of wasting it. So potential means you're not actually doing it. Yeah. In yeah. your mind, okay. Yeah, actually, she has so much potential. She's so intelligent. She's so smart. She learns so fast, but she's hanging out with the wrong people. Right. And if she continues to hang out with the wrong people, then 
like her life is going to take a totally different path. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember my grandma saying, okay, we're going to move you into a different school, which I didn't understand because I liked my friends. I thought my friends were great, sure. you know, but she saw something that I didn't see. And so she put me in a different environment. You know, she enrolled me into private school, even though she really couldn't afford it. And I mm -hmm. still can't figure out to this day how she could afford it, but she made the sacrifice and she put me around other people who were focused on instead of having the mentality of this is the way I am, these are the circumstances mm -hmm. I'm born in. So it is what it is. Instead of having that mindset, these people had a different mindset. The kids I was going to school with were thinking about going to college, were thinking about the different careers they were going to pursue. And so just being around them, I started thinking about that stuff too. Okay, so environment was a big key. Mm -hmm. She put you in a different type of environment. Because that was the next question I was going to ask you because there, there's a lot of people that have potential, obviously. And, but then they have their environment, and there's what's considered the norm. Mm -hmm. This is what most people are doing. And so you kind of had both, because you were in one environment, and then she put you in another. You see this still with other people now. How hard does it seem to be for people to take that step to pull out of what's considered the norm that's around them? Because a lot of people just never do it. Have you yeah. noticed that? Mm -hmm. It is, it's hard. It's something that you have to force yourself to do. Now, that, that decision was made for me being younger, mm -hmm. but I could have easily, you know, you could easily hold on to connect, especially now with technology. Sure. You can so much more hold on to, you know, past relationships and past connections, but it is hard. But the first thing is, is that you have to realize that your current environment isn't serving you. Mm-hmm. So did you realize that at that point, or did you really fight it at that point? I didn't really fight it because I, I trusted her, but I didn't see the, the need for it. Mm -hmm. You know, but she got me excited about it. She was like, oh, you know, they have this at, the, at school, and you're going to like this, and so-and-so went here. So she kind of got me excited about it for different reasons, so I didn't really fight she her on it. She distracted you off. Exactly, into, okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, so, so everyone else was going to, you know, a different, you know, to the same public school, and I was going to go to this new school, so she kind of got me excited about it and distracted me, but, but I think, you know, you have to recognize that you're in an environment that's not conducive for you to grow, mm -hmm. and I think that's the first step to making any kind of change. So peer pressure, maybe even family pressure, I don't know, so here you are in a different situation, and a lot of the people you know are, are not. Was, was there like a pulling back? Was, was there like pressure to, why are you gonna, you know, a lot of people, they go to ascend and make big decisions in life, and those who aren't necessarily prepared at that moment to do that are saying, no, stay here. Mm -hmm. So did, did you face some of that pressure? Yeah, and I think you face it at any stage of your life, whether sure. you're in elementary school or high school, is mm -hmm. probably a big one. Um, college, your family and friends. Anytime that you want to do something different and mm -hmm. people see that you're changing, it scares them because they feel like they're losing you or they feel like they're losing whatever version of you that they're attached to. Okay. And so, they, of course, you know, they want to keep you where you're at. And so you get things like, oh, you think you're better than us or mm -hmm. you're, you're different now, you're changing or, um, you know, what happened to you? You used to be fun. Like all these phrases are things that you hear yeah. when you decide to do something different. 
So why do you think that most people, they'll hear that, and instead of facing that and continuing to move forward, they'll just shrink back? I think for a lot of different reasons, but, you know, wanting to please people is a big one. You know, because so right. usually it's, it's people around you who you love or you care about mm -hmm. or you enjoy being around. Sure. And so it's shocking to at first think, oh, they're going to be happy for me because I'm doing something good for myself. Right. But it's the complete opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. So then you're like, oh, well, I don't want to disappoint them or I don't want to make them feel bad. So a lot of people end up saying, you know what, forget it. I didn't really want to do that anyways. They end up compromising mm -hmm. what they really wanted because they want to make other people happy. You know? And in the end, it probably doesn't make anybody happy. Right? It really doesn't make anybody happy because you being stuck is one of the most miserable feelings, but it's a miserable that you're used to and accustomed to. Right, so, so it's kind of accepted. What would you say, I mean, growing up then, so you get in your later teens and then young adulthood, I mean, it faces challenges, obviously. You're, you're making big shifts. You're going through education. You're now away from home. You go out to... Um, Riverside, mm -hmm. where you're attending college out there. Were there some big challenges that stand out that you really had to work through that were very difficult? Oh, yeah. Um, going to college in itself, it was such a, I don't want to, it wasn't a culture shock, but it was a shock to my system because I was so, I couldn't wait to, to go to college. I couldn't mm -hmm. wait to move out, you know, being my grandma was an amazing person and she did the best that she could mm -hmm. but in a lot of ways like our home environment was very toxic you know we mm -hmm. struggled financially so there's a lot of issues that come along with yeah. that there's six of us in there mm -hmm. kids we're just talking about kids six kids plus you know the adults and um so I couldn't wait to get out to have my own space, to be able to do my own thing. But then once I was able to do that, I don't mm -hmm. know if I was in survival mode when I was at home, but the second I got to school, I just completely like fell into a very deep depression. Okay. And it started feeling like maybe I'm just not one of those people who is meant to be happy. You know, it started mm -hmm. feeling like maybe this is just me. This is just my makeup. This is just how I was built, you know. I'm just not a happy person, I'm not a bubbly person, I'm not a high energy person, I'm not an optimistic person. And so all this stuff like hit me, like trying to figure out how to live independently and trying to figure out who I am outside of my family um, and go to school and pay for, you know, whatever I needed to, to pay for, it just completely just hit me like all at once. And it was just a very difficult road from that point. Well, it brings up an interesting question that you're mentioning because you, you make the statement, maybe I'm not the person that's meant to be happy. That in and of itself is acknowledging that something is meant or not meant to be. Mm -hmm. So it's acknowledging the higher power or God, or even though a lot of times people don't realize that when they're making that statement. What, what is the rationale? Because you're not the only one. There's a lot of people that are listening to this right now and they may have similar thoughts going, it's just not meant to be for me. That's just the way my life is. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what's the rationale that goes into that thinking that somehow that's what's written in the stars or whatever, that, that for you, happiness is not in the plan? What, what were you thinking at that time? Can you remember? I just felt like I had zero control over my life. Mm -hmm. 
and I was just going with the flow. Okay. So I think taking zero responsibility and taking zero control over or even attempting to, I just, you know, felt like if this is where I am and how I feel, then this is, it's, it's stagnant. It's, mm -hmm. that's it. It's written in stone. Like there's nothing else. It just, it was a very like daunting feeling. Right. Yeah. Now, so this brings up a question because I've been dealing with this issue a lot with people lately. And then you go on to get your degree in psychology. Yeah. So you're the one for me to ask this question <laughs> to. Um, one of the biggest causes of anxiety from what I've seen is exactly what you're just mentioning, feeling that things are out of control. Mm -hmm. And when things are out of control and you can't fix it, then it throws people completely into, into a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Um, as you were, were you studying that at the same time that you're going, or that came a little that bit later? After, was yeah. it part of what caused you to then to want to learn about that or? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was undecided when I went into school, mm -hmm. you know, my grandma's just like, you'll figure it out when you get there. You just right. move in the right direction and then you'll kind of end up where you're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. uh, so I was just taking a bunch of courses. So intro to psychology, almost everyone either takes that or like it's sociology. Yeah. yeah, like an intro class, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started learning about this stuff and I'm like, okay, this, is not, this does not have to be the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know, things can change. And so I kind of became obsessed with the idea of like, I can change things in my life. I can change the way I feel. I can change mm -hmm. the way I think. I can change pretty much anything right, about my life that I really, mm -hmm. really want to, and I think that's very empowering. Definitely. So, so you're, you're going through that, and you're kind of discovering this as you go along. Then there's a point where your grandma gets more health challenges. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're out there at this point, mm -hmm. and she's getting those health challenges. So I'm assuming that that may have caused even more of a conflict. Mm-hmm where yeah. you're there and she's probably telling you, you take care of what you need to take care of. I'm mm -hmm. assuming she's probably saying that. Yet at the same time, I'm sure you're concerned about her because she was such a strong influence. So did that cause more anxiety or? Oh yeah, that was one of the biggest, I think, contributing factors is because when I was there, all I wanted to do was be back home. Mm -hmm. And so I was on the phone with her every single day. I just want to come home. I just want to come home because I just felt like I'm losing this time with you. Yeah. And I just, you know, financially, like I didn't have the best car to be able, it was breaking down like once a month mm -hmm. and financially to be able to pay for the gas to go back and forth. Cause it is driving distance, but it's, it's just like an, not an hour, you know, right? down the street. Yeah. Exactly. It's about an hour one way. And so, um, you know, she wanted me to stay in school you know, before anything, but I just wanted to be home all the mm -hmm. time. So when I was in class, I wanted to be there. And it, like you said, it caused a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, just felt stuck and trapped in my situation. Yeah. All right. So in the midst of all this that we've been talking about, then you, you meet someone, probably unexpected. Mm -hmm. You meet Jay Jr. Yeah. And... At first, that would probably seem like a really crazy match to people because personality-wise, in many ways, at least at that time, totally different. Yeah. Uh -huh. He's very outgoing, talking to everybody. You've already been discussing. You kind of withdrew 
more and saying to yourself, I'm not that type of person. Mm-hmm. More introverted, definitely, at that point mm-hmm. at least. And so then you end up, really, I mean, there's so much we could go into on that, on how all that came about, but we need a whole separate hour for that probably. <laughs> But but so you end up, the relationship continues, you end up getting married. In some ways, you're still very much opposite in some ways, and in other ways, not. So how, how do you feel that you guys balance each other? Because I've noticed that, but, but how do you see that? I've never felt like we were that different. Um, I think the way that we express our like personalities mm-hmm. and our values and our standards, I think they're different because like you said you know he tends to be a little bit more you know um, talkative and things like that but I've never felt like we were really that different even when Mm -hmm. we met um, upbringings totally different Mm -hmm. but even at the point that we met you know I was going through a tough time but he was going through a tough time too he just the world didn't know it right Um, and I think you know growing up we've just grown together mm-hmm. in every aspect of life as far as our you know careers go and our faith has gone and our marriage our relationships with other people I feel like we've grown in the same direction and we've grown at the same rate and together and so in, that in and of itself is very balancing if, mm-hmm. if that's the word that you like to use I'm not a big fan of the word like balance but I think we complement each other. I would agree with you there. I definitely agree with you there. So maybe that's a better word, complement rather than balance. I will say this, though, as far as one difference that I see is that he tends to be much more impulsive. Yeah. So it's (laughs) like he he gets something in his head. It's like, let's just. Yes. And and you seem to be the level that comes along and says, "Uh, let's think this through for a second. That may not be the best idea. Yeah. So that's maybe what I meant yeah. a little bit more. I think that he's maybe pulled you to do things that you would not have done on your own in some cases. And at the mm-hmm. same time, you've held him back from doing dumb things <laughs> that he would have done probably quite often without that counter thought to it. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely <laughs> I definitely agree with that 100%. He, I, I think, you know he has like a great idea or, you know, what he feels like is a great idea, a big idea. And then I help him kind of focus it and tweak it or redirect it and just make it make sense and make it better. Mm -hmm. Um, But he does, like you said, he does the same for me too. It's just not as obvious, you know, as far as like decisions, because I keep a lot, you know, I'm more private than I think he is. Mm -hmm. And so he does the same for me as well, where I'm just like, okay, I think I'm going to do this. And he's like, well, consider options B, C, and D first. Yeah. Um, So we're good about that. And I think we're really good at taking feedback from each other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we know each other, obviously, at this point, really well. And so we kind of know how to communicate that as well. Right. And, and then you mentioned earlier your love of reading, which kind of, because sports were in it, and that was really the yeah, only alternative. Yeah. So that kind of bred inside of you. And then you, you love actually reading books. And now, of course, to maximize time, you'll do audiobooks and all of those things, which he now does as well. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you from the past, you know <laughs> as well that he didn't read anything. Yeah, yeah. So there, that's quite a switch. Mm-hmm. I would say that I'm sure it has been an influence that came from you, a lot of it. 
and, and I'm sure that's been a benefit to him as mm -hmm. well. So the more we're learning and, and the more things are, are getting ingrained, the more we change and the more we personally develop. So now you, you end up in, in business together, which is a total, again, shift of the original plan. Yes. You're, you're going towards now, you're, you're getting your master's degree in to be a school psychologist, mm -hmm. which is what you're going to do. You started to in, like intern in that area, getting experience in that area. And he ends up chasing after what was kind of a childhood dream, which was going into the fire department. Mm -hmm. Goes through EMT training. EMT is really ridiculous how little they pay to be an EMT. Right, and he's crazy. thinking, okay, <laughs> this is not it. I mean, here they are handling people's lives and they're getting paid basically minimum wage, which yeah. is nuts. And so he goes through that. He goes into the fire academy, amazingly gets disciplined where that was really not his strong <laughs> suit before uh -huh. that and goes through that. So, so it's all set. Child psychologist at school, fire department, firemen, it's all set. That's going to be it. Life's mm -hmm. planned out. And then total shift. Total yeah. shift. So he ends up going into business, something that you fairly quickly after he was in it saw that that would maybe fit his personality and mm -hmm. be a, a definite spot for him. That wasn't your plan? No. So when, when did it shift? What happened? I, um, you know, I, like you mentioned, I was going to school at the time. I was finishing up my degree and working, you know, kind of actually doing the job interning mm -hmm. while he was starting his career, you know, in business. And he was so excited. He was genuinely like a kid, like excited about it. He was excited to get up, put on a suit, grab his briefcase, leave every single day. And he was so excited. Like I've never seen, I had never seen him that excited about any like career choice that he decided to, you know. So when he was working at Pet Boys, that wasn't no. The same. Okay. <laughs> no, not yeah. That's not Four, even. by the way, about one week. If you're wondering a whole, how long. Yeah, it was. a whole week. Yeah. Uh, so even the fire department, he he was so much more excited, and he was starting to read. You know, I saw at least he was carrying around a book. He carried the book. Yeah. <laughs> he carried. He was carrying around a book, so that was the first step. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You know, he's he's, you know, starting to self develop and read, and he's really excited to get up every morning, and mm -hmm. he just seems super motivated. And I'm going to school, and I'm about to graduate, and I'm already kind of working in the field that I'm graduating, you know, to be able to do. And I'm just not as excited. Mm -hmm. um, and not because, you know, I loved working with the kids. I loved sitting across from them and being able to help them and coach them and mentor them and counsel them and, and help them with their school progress. I loved all that stuff. But there was so much politics involved, and it mm -hmm. just felt very constricting. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be... I'm seeing a glimpse of my future in my life okay. for the next, you know, however long I'm going to be working till I'm 65 or 70 yeah. or whatever. And um, I'm like, all right, it's not as amazing as I thought it was going to be, but it's still helping somebody, mm -hmm. right? Still helping kids. And But he was just so, the contrast was like, you know, I was like, okay, this is okay, but he's like really excited. Um, and so I think that just made me more open to the idea of working with him. And so when he suggested mm -hmm. it, I was in transition of, you know, a school year had ended, a new school year was coming mm -hmm. up. And he's like, hey, why don't we work together? 
and uh, we hadn't worked together since we both worked at Hollister. Which is a totally different industry, yeah. right? So. <laughs> um, and he was just so excited about it that I think I kind of blindly just did it. Okay. And kind of made that leap. I always figured, you know, hey, if I hate it, I can always go and be a school psychologist. I have my degree. Oh, um, so I just blindly went into it and decided to figure it out on the way to doing it. So along with the title of our podcast, which is Audacious Faith, which is taking a real crazy step, something that is not scripted, is not planned, is not the norm, mm -hmm. believing that somehow God has this plan to do something out of the ordinary. That's really what you guys did. Yeah. And that was a real game-changing moment because things were okay, but from that point, they tended to really start taking off, mm -hmm. right? Becoming more of a team, developing a team, again, using both of the gifts that he has, you have, and fulfilling some of the same roles, but at the same time, some of the different roles and being able to take care of some of that. Then how did that further your development? Because you're not the same person. I mean, you are, but you're much more personally developed now than you were at that moment. Mm -hmm. So what have been some of the biggest changes that, that took place there? They always say that you don't grow unless you're put into an uncomfortable situation. Well, mm -hmm. this was me being put into an uncomfortable situation for me, like every single day. Yeah. So. Growing up, you know, stressed out about finances, stressed out about, like, the future, all I ever wanted was that security. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, okay, this is where I'm going to work, this is where I live, it's safe, bills mm -hmm. are paid, I know my bills are paid, I have savings. That was, right. like, the dream. I wasn't asking for, you know, like, a mansion or, you know, millions of dollars. I just wanted security. Mm -hmm. And... Um, the starting a business is the complete opposite. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to make money. You don't know if it's going to work out. And so I just felt completely uncomfortable every single day in so many different aspects of dealing with people and dealing with conflict and mm -hmm. public speaking. You know, I was not much of a public speaker. I had to do some of it for, you know, classrooms and, you know, with kids and sure. stuff. In college, you had to do presentations. But this was like adults, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, your peers and training people and frequently, like all of the time having to do it. And so it just made me incredibly uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable, you have two options, really. You either rise to the occasion, making mistakes, but growing and learning while you're doing it. Or you just kind of revert back and go, no, I, it was good the way before. I'll just go back. You know, I'll just be right. a school psychologist. Well, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I have grown so much because of every single uncomfortable situation that I've put myself mm -hmm. in. It's interesting that you bring that up because we're, we're at a convention and I'm hearing, okay, the MC for the morning is going to be Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> and I know Ronnie. And I'm thinking, whoa, that is a very uncomfortable situation. I, I could not picture that at first because I hadn't really seen you have to do those type of things. And I'm thinking, I know that that was not the most natural before. Right, yeah. But it's amazing how when you just take that step, a person can rise to the occasion because 
you're up there doing this, commanding the room, and I'm thinking, who is this? Mm-hmm. It, it was a total change. And the more you did it, the more you were able to step into that and continue to develop doing that, including with the team, which now is like 200 people plus, and having to have that constant interaction, where before maybe you just kind of do your own thing when you were having those struggles and things in early adulthood. Now, like you mentioned, now you're not just dealing with kids. Adults have, adults can be childlike as well, (laughs) and sometimes even worse. Kids we at least understand. With adults, it's like, why are you acting like this? And it doesn't go away in mm-hmm. adulthood. People have their issues constantly more than most people probably realize that you see behind the scenes, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So taking this now, would you say, this has been a recurring theme in our podcast. Some people would, would hear your story and think, you're crazy. I mean, here, here you went through not only regular undergrad education, but then graduate education. That's a lot of money, that's a lot of time, that's a lot of studying. Yes. And now you're going to throw all of that time and effort seemingly away for something that may or may not work here. You guys take a lease on an office with a team of about eight people at the time that's going to cost you at least like five grand a month Mm -hmm. with no guarantee of being able to pay that. Some people saying they're going to chip in, but you have no way to make them do that. And so totally on faith that this is what you're supposed to do. It it wasn't even normal protocol to do that. In fact, (laughs) people later were like, what did you do? This is not the way you do it. There's people that have been in business even to this day way longer than you guys had that still have not taken any step like that. What were you thinking? We we just wanted to succeed so badly. And we wanted to fast forward it. And so we knew, okay, at some point we'd need an office because mm-hmm. we're going to build this firm yeah. that's in our heads, we're gonna have you know hundreds of agents like coming mm-hmm. to this office. So the first thing in our heads was, you know, well, we need an office. Yeah. And, um, and timing, okay, you know, I would not advise people to do it exactly the way we did it, you know. Mm-hmm financially and things like that. But I don't believe that anything happens for no reason. Like everything serves a purpose. You know, even me going to um, the University of Laverne, Mm -hmm. in Laverne, you know, it made us move out there when we got married and we ended up opening an office nearby. And the people Mm -hmm. that we know and the people that we work with are people who we would not have met if we hadn't done that. Right. And so I think everything happens for a reason, and it forced us to grow really, really, really fast in a professional sense, in a mindset mm-hmm. sense, just maturity-wise. We're still young. We're mm-hmm. still in our year, early 20s when this happens. And there's, although I wouldn't advise people to like, hey, like open up an office kind of blindly, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I wouldn't change anything about it because it helped create us into, you know, who we are today. Absolutely. It definitely worked out. Yeah. Huge step of faith to <laughs> that take That was definitely it. by the grace of God every single step of the way because financially, if you're looking at the numbers, you're like, how is this going to make sense? And it didn't, mm-hmm. but it just, we just kind of walked on, you know, on faith and, and it carried us 
All the way through. Exactly. And this included not just the bare bones of an office. It included fixing up that office. It included buying chairs, which were a major expense. Yeah. Uh, because someone had sat on the plastic <laughs> chair and shredded the thing, and you're going to have a lawsuit on your hands. Right, so it yeah. included all types of investments and expenses along the way, and yet it seemed that God just kept providing every time you would take that step mm -hmm. and do that, which is a lesson to us because a lot of people want to have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted beforehand before they'll make a move do you believe that to do anything big in life God also very often says you're going to have to take some bold step of faith and not know that you have everything said and just trust me yeah you're never going to have that security that you want that guarantee that you want mm -hmm. that it's going to work out and so when God put, points you in a direction, he's relying on you to start walking, like start moving, start, you know, and I'll put the pieces like in front, right? Right. And that's what it felt like. It felt like, okay, we know this is what we're supposed to be doing. We know this is the direction that we need to be moving in. It's really scary right now. It's very stressful. Again, with the financial stresses that I can't seem to get rid of no matter, no matter what, right? And we're just moving and it's hard, but we're like, we know this is gonna work out. We know this is gonna work out, but we're taking action this whole entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, of the, a lot of times people make the mistake of they're just kinda, they're like waiting. Instead of taking action, they're just like waiting for like the storm to pass or mm -hmm. they're waiting for things to kind of, the questions to answer themselves. Like it's not gonna come, you have to mm -hmm. start. I feel like you have to start moving for, for God to start working in your life. So how many things would you have actually done in life if you had waited for the ideal circumstances? Oh, none, none of them. I don't think anything has ever happened you know, anything great, I should say, mm -hmm. has ever happened because, you know, it was like the perfect timing for mm -hmm. it to, to occur. It just, it always felt like the wrong time. You know, mm -hmm. it always felt uncomfortable. It always felt scary. Right. So taking the skills then that you learned and now dealing with people on a constant basis. Th this is a curious question. Uh -huh. <laughs> people talk about those who have gone through uh, the type of training that you've gone through. Do, do people that have your training see people's behavior and psychoanalyze what they're doing, or, or, or how does it work? I mean, you kind of have an understanding a lot of why people are doing what they do. Uh -huh. So this all plays into now, how much has it helped you to at least have an understanding of why people are reacting the way they are? It helps to be a lot more empathetic, to be more compassionate, because... You know, not that I'm like psychoanalyzing anybody, but you just are way more open to seeing things from their perspective, I would say, mm -hmm. or trying to see things from their perspective. You start looking at people and like, okay, somebody just flipped me off, you know, like when I was trying, not, not, not literally, but if they do, because it does happen. So obviously they have a problem that they're dealing with. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're obviously they're having a bad day. It's not me. Well, maybe mm -hmm. it was me, you know. Maybe you cut them off. Maybe, I, yeah. maybe I did something, but I don't know if it justified the reaction, even if I did. Mm -hmm. But it's probably something that's going on with them. And yeah. it, it kind of frees you from that, you know, from those negative emotions of like, what did I do? It's like, God, oh, they must be having a really bad day, you know. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that turns around for them. So it, it helps in just everyday life. It helps in business, um, you know, helping people get from where they are to where they want to be. 
sometimes you can see things that maybe they're, you know, mm -hmm. struggling with. And I definitely think that it helps. Helps me too. It helps me grow to the next level because I keep growing and learning in that field. Mm -hmm. I started in that field because it was something I was genuinely interested in. And psychology is something I still self-study mm -hmm. till this day. So um, I don't think I'll ever stop learning about it and learning about people and mm -hmm. about myself. So you mentioned empathy, which I'm not sure that everybody would respond that way, though. Uh, it was a very interesting answer that you bring across because sometimes when people know what's going on, they have no patience for it at all. Mm -hmm. But you're, you're saying that you have the opposite reaction where because you understand it, it actually, you, you want to define, I mean, some people don't know what empathy actually is. So what does that mean to you? I mean, I don't know what the, like I can't quote from the dictionary for you, but it's basically, it's, it's you can, you can put yourselves in their shoes. You can put yourself in their shoes yes. and have their perspective and see, like, okay, you can feel, feel for them. You right. know, you can feel for them. You can sympathize with that. Um, now, I say that with also caution where you can have empathy for people without letting them, you know, take advantage of you or, mm -hmm. you know, manipulate you or use you as a doormat. I think sometimes people miss construe those that's not beneficial concepts. to them either to let them do that exactly yeah you can understand where someone's mm -hmm. coming from and you know and feel for them and you know hope and wish them good things but it's also really important to protect yourself and make sure that just because you understand why they're doing it doesn't mean that it's okay mm -hmm. that they're doing it to you if there is something they're doing so taking those skills and putting them into business now financial services, helping people build legacies for their family, put them in a better position, protect them for the case of an emergency, health crisis that comes up, a sudden death in the family, all those type of things. A lot of people look at that industry and they don't like it. They look at it and they see people that do those things as salesmen, mm -hmm. those who are just trying to sell, those who are just trying to make money. Right. And we, I think we all know and agree that people don't like to be sold. Mm -hmm. Everyone's always pitching their thing. You look on the internet and everyone's pitching this, buy this, buy that. You know, I need this opportunity constantly. But people do want to buy things. People do want to be a part of something. Right. So I, from my observation and being involved with it with you as well, isn't it true that probably what, what you're just mentioning here, one of the greatest qualities is not trying to sell people, but actually coming alongside them and wanting things for people, mm -hmm. uh, wanting to help them fulfill their dreams, get the things that they want, and take care of the fears and protect them against the things that might hurt them. It's more of that empathy. It's more of that family thought. Is that what really goes in? I, I think that's what's been a lot of the reason for the success. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I think it's a lot. It's especially when it comes to finance in any any field i think you know when it comes to finances coming from nothing you know being broke and growing up broke and as mm -hmm. a young adult being broke and starting to learn like okay how does money work you know how can i save how can i do mm -hmm. this how can i do that and trying to self educate yourself in those areas you remember what it's like to feel confused and um, struggling to figure that stuff out. And so when you're sitting with people, you're like, 
you, all you have to do is communicate the goal, which is like, hey, like I know what it feels like mm -hmm. to not know what any of this stuff means and to just want to start doing something, but I don't know how. And I'll show you like what I've learned. It's just educating people and you know being there for people and understanding like I know how you got in your situation because I was there too. So that's the feel, the felt, and the found mm -hmm. type of thing that yeah. people would do. Let's go ahead and we'll start wrapping up towards the end because I don't know that, although this is very interesting, I don't know that people want to watch a two-hour podcast, but I think yeah. we, could go for, <laughs> we could go for three, four hours on, on a lot of this stuff. But um, there, there's going to be people that are out there right now that maybe they have, they talk about big dreams. Mm -hmm. They've had them in their head and maybe life is kicking them in the butt at this point. Yeah. Been a lot of disappointments, a lot of things that have come along. And because of that, they might feel it's too late. I'm just stuck. Mm. Okay, what, what would you say to them? What comes to your mind? They shouldn't be at a point where they just give up. What comes to your mind when you think of that? Whenever I felt stuck... Because people always say, oh, you know, what do you want out of life? And mm -hmm. sometimes I think when we're talking about what we want out of life, sometimes we're talking about it like if it's a wish. Like we're, you know, we've got three wishes and we've got a genie and like, oh, this mm -hmm. would be cool and that would be cool. Um, but sometimes I think what's more powerful is asking ourselves what we're no longer willing to tolerate. And that's, okay. that can be more motivating to get you unstuck than the things that you are wanting. And I think every single time that I've made a big decision, it was because of that. It was, you know, of course, like I want all the amazing mm -hmm. things. I have these big dreams and I want to live this certain lifestyle and be able to help people. And all that is amazing and it's energizing and it gives me hope. But sometimes to get yourself to move, you kind of have to be like, all right, but what are we sick of? You know, what yeah. are we really freaking tired of? Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I was focused on during those difficult times of getting the office going and start a business was I am so tired of trying to figure out how we're going to pay the office rent this month. You know, yeah. we have to get this thing going. Mm -hmm. And that was motivating for me. And that helped get me unstuck where some days I just felt like I just, uh, the stress is so heavy where I feel like I cannot get out of bed today. But I was like, but if I do not get out of bed today, yeah. <laughs> this office is never going to take off. And so that was enough motivation to get me out. So sometimes you got to be very crystal clear on what you're sick of and what you no longer want to tolerate. And what you're afraid of tolerating for the rest of your life if yeah. you don't change it, right? Yeah, because that's what will end up happening. That mm -hmm. scares me, you know, to have something that I don't like or don't like. It doesn't even have to be hate. It could just be a mild dislike for something sure. in my life. But it to be there for the next five, ten, that's terrible to have to, to keep me. living it. Yeah. And some people, unfortunately, will, will stay there if they don't make that move. Yeah. Some people would look at where you guys have come, what's happened, and they would say, they've made it. Mm -hmm. They've arrived. All good. But I get the sense that you're not done. Mm -hmm. I get the sense that there's more goals there's more things, there's stuff that's out there. Has God put anything in your heads, in your hearts, that you're still 
moving towards? Because after all, when we stop growing, then, then we're dying at that point. So I'm sure there's something next. Any sense of that? Yeah, there's an overwhelming feeling of we just haven't helped enough people. Hmm, okay. And that's on, you know, helping people with their finances, but also helping people do the same things that we've done as far as like their career goals go because we do a lot of mentorship. Right. And so I just am very clear on where we have not helped enough people get to where they want to be. And why is it inbred in your in your heart to have to help people? Just curious. I think that's where most of the fulfillment comes from, mm -hmm. you know, is being, because I know, like, obviously from first-hand experience how, you know, how life-changing it can be. And, uh, you know, we would just want to be able to help people change their life in whatever way they want. I'm smiling because I see the full circle. Okay, you got your grandma who, honestly, in many ways, people could have looked at her life and said, it would have been easier for her if she just took care of herself yeah. <laughs> and didn't have to go and put all the sacrifice in to doing all that she did to pour into your life. But she wanted to help. Mm -hmm. She, out of love and out of compassion and, and out of all of that, that's what she wanted to do. That's how she found her fulfillment. And now that's exactly what you're saying, mm -hmm. that that truly was put in you in such a way that now that's what will give you the greatest fulfillment to be able to do that. Oh yeah, definitely. So that puts us right back to what we <laughs> said in the beginning, which was about legacy and how when someone pours into someone else and that carries on and it goes to another person as well. All right, so for the person that's out there now that maybe is thinking that their opportunities have dried up it's just not there. What would be your advice to, to take that first step? Huh. Well, I would say mentorship is really important. Like we would not have gotten where we're at without seeking out advice and seeking mm -hmm. out help. We do it for, we've just gotten in the habit of doing it so much that we literally mm -hmm. do it for everything. If we're gonna buy a car, mm -hmm. if we're gonna, you know, anything, buy a blender, you know, we're always seeking out advice from people and so I would say start there start with um, you know start with somebody who in whatever area you're trying to change seek out their advice and see how they got to where they're at and see mm -hmm. what their first steps were and if they could go back what if they would change anything you know start asking questions and then you'll start finding the answers of like okay I think I need to be moving in this direction but most of all, you got to take that action because you can collect all the information you want, but if you don't start moving in a direction, you're just going to be stagnant. So don't just sit there. Yes. But do something. Otherwise, you're going to accept, like you said, to not do anything is to tolerate the way that it is. Yes, exactly. Right? Well, I so appreciate your time today yes. coming in and having this discussion. And even though some of it I knew, I learned a whole lot more. And if you want to reach out to Ronnie, be sure to do that. You can do it. We'll have contact information underneath the video that's there in YouTube or, or in the podcast sections, wherever they are. We also encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. And we're just very thankful for you. And we're going to hope that you're going to be able to go out and be that legacy in the lives of many others as well. So God bless each one of you. This has been the Audacious Faith Podcast.